Sherlyn here today. I'm, I've got a special guest with me today. I'm so excited to spend some time with Dr. Tim O'Shea uh, from California. I know things are tough for doctors in California right now, so thanks for being on the front line over there. But Dr. Tim O'Shea, I've been following this doctor for well over a decade, and I'm glad to finally actually meet him in person and be able to interview him here today. Uh, he's the author of Vaccine is Not Immunization, The War on Our Children. I don't know what version you're up to, 20 or some, something by now, but it uh, doesn't matter. The, the current thing is it's current. There's a current one now for 2023. I think it's one of the most valuable resources for young parents uh, because he, ta he talks about points and then has research, points and then research to help parents make a, a good educated understanding on how to raise a healthy child in this day. I think the predecessor for this book from a, from a medical perspective was how to raise a healthy child in spite of your doctor. This is, <laughs> this is basically that from a, a natural physician's perspective. And I, I just want to thank you so much for being with us today, doctor. Uh, Dr. O'Shea, if you don't mind just jumping into what you have for us, great. And then we'll do some Q and A at the end here. Yeah. Really grateful for you inviting me today, doc. The textbook, Vaccination is Not Immunization, it's a, as you said, its primary uh, target demographic is for young parents about to make the most important decision of their life, of the child's life for the first time, whether or not to vaccinate. The book is about 200 pages long. I always keep it to that length, and it's got like 350 references. The majority of the references are mainstream medicine, mainstream science, mainstream law, peer-reviewed journals. It's really hard to argue with. So for the people who are listening to this uh, presentation today, I'd like you to go old school for a minute and get a piece of paper and a pen because you're going to want to jot down a few references that you'll have at your fingertips. The first one would be on my website, thedoctorwithin.com, in, in three locations. The first location is the chapter section. It's a list of all the chapters. The second location is the video section of a great number of videos on vaccines. And the third section would be my newsletter archive. Those would be the, the first places to look for documentation of what I'm about to tell you. I love just even the title of your book because so many people, so many times we're misled in marketing because of misnomenclature. And I think a beautiful example of that, vaccination is not immunization. But in marketing, the world uses immunization as if it's a vaccination. So is your child immunized? You cannot give a child immunity. You can give them a vaccine. You can inject something into them, which that's a vaccination. But that doesn't guarantee immunity. I'm sorry to sidestep you on that, but no, I just- No, that's great. That's, that's actually how I start the book. What is immunization? Immunization is when the body becomes immune to something. There's only one way that that can happen. Either you get a disease or you're exposed to d disease. And then the body creates its own immunity in ways about which the, our best science has only the vaguest notions. We, we really have no idea how the human immune system works. Okay, so that's immunization. Getting a disease or being exposed to a disease. Okay, now what is vaccination? All vaccination means is to inject a man-made concoction into the child as he's growing up with the promise that this vaccination is going to somehow magically confer immunity to the child. And as we're going to see throughout the text, this is physically impossible. First of all, I want to make it clear that this is not an anti-vaccine text. I am not anti-vax. Remember, anti-vax is a term created by corporate media in order to marginalize and categorize anyone who is interested in an open dialogue about the science behind vaccines. Even, even if it's completely neutral, if you have a if you have a question about vaccines, you're just trying to find out a little about the science behind the, what the manufacturers use to create the vaccines, you're automatically categorized as anti-vax. So 
The way I look at it is if you want to divide it into two camps, the two camps are the pro-vaccine camp who are in favor of mandating vaccines into, into children's bloodstream, and the other side is the pro-science. So that's what I represent, the pro-science camp. Okay, right. So I'm in favor of any vaccine that is proven to be safe and effective by third parties wholly unconnected with the global vaccine monolith. I think that's a really good point, Doc, because I think part of the marketing spin of the companies making vaccines, which let's just call it a product, is they call it safe and effective without it actually being tested by a third party as safe and effective. And the more you study this, the more you're astounded to learn that vaccines are the only category of pharmaceuticals which do not require safety testing. And this fact was exemplified to an extreme with the COVID vaccine because they skipped so many steps that are usually required in approval for a new vaccine. You know, it takes between three and five years to approve a new vaccine. These vaccines were approved in a few months. So they just skipped steps and then we had the ridiculous emergency use authorization, you know, right out of Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. Like you said, Doc, there have been many additions to the textbook. Uh, we have just a little time here for a few excerpts from those additions. Uh, first of all, my most complete coverage of the history of vaccines is now in the chapter section of the website, The Doctor Within. Most of us remember the story about Edward Jenner, who was the English physician who in 1799 was pretending to vaccinate people for smallpox. That was, that was the, the killer disease in England at that time. But what Jenner did was the most superstitious and ridiculous idea anyone ever had. Cows in the field, they had a disease of cows called cowpox, and they pustulated. So Jenner took a syringe and drew some of the pus from the infected cows, and he injected it to a seven-year-old boy, James Phipps, thereby claiming not only that he had immunized James for smallpox, but that he could do the same thing for everyone else and immunize everyone else in the world for smallpox by injecting infected matter from a cow with a completely different disease. Mm. So that, that's how the whole mythology started. So you can read the details of that in the chapter. But what happened next was the English government, they saw dollar signs or pound signs, whatever. And they, and they passed a law and eventually made Jenner's vaccination mandatory throughout England. And eventually it spread to the rest of Europe at that time. And so in the history section, you'll just read all the legitimate documentation of the thousands and thousands of people who died from that very dangerous vaccination from Edward Jenner. So please read the history of vaccine section on the website. Okay, now I'm going to show you the most stupefying slide of all, Doc. This slide by itself should be enough to make parents sit up and pay attention and ask themselves, what am I really doing here? In 1950, we gave our kids three vaccines. In 1980, we gave our kids 20 vaccines. By 2003, it was up to 40 vaccines. 2004, 53 vaccines. 2005, 58 vaccines. 2006, 63 vaccines. 2017, 69 vaccines. 2020, 72 vaccines, and today, with the new COVID being added to the childhood immunization schedule, 
we are up to 84 vaccines. Now look at this timeline, how fast that happened, right? There is no other country on earth that's even close to this. Most other countries on earth, industrialized nations, are about half this or less. We're the only country in the world who does something this aggressive, this outrageous. So I guess a reasonable question would be, do they work? Are our children healthier than the rest of the children in the world? Well, unfortunately, it's just the opposite. American children are fatter, sicker, and dumber than they have ever been, but also fatter, sicker, and dumber than most of the children in other industrialized nations of the world. So these are not just provocative statements that I'm making here. I go into great detail showing abundant documentation in the fields of science, in the field of education and epidemiology that prove this statement beyond a shadow of a doubt. Okay, now I want to take a look just for a second at money. Global vaccines. 80% of the vaccines in the world are produced by just four companies, GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer, Sanofi, and Merck. In the year 2000, when we were already up to, you know, like 40 vaccines, the United States was spending $5 billion a year on vaccines. By 2005, that figure was up to $8 billion. By 2013, it was up to $30 billion. In 2018, there was a prediction that by 2025, we would be up to $100 billion spent for vaccines. But then COVID happened. And here's a citation I just recently got the other day from Kaiser. Kaiser stated that they had just sold $25 billion of COVID vaccines alone. That's irrespective of all the other vaccines. About the same time, Pfizer came out with this statement. This is in the secret, secret Pfizer documents that just got released. This was in there. Pfizer stated that in two years' time, they have sold over $100 billion of COVID vaccines. So this is in addition to all the other vaccines of the 84 vaccines on the schedule that we're selling every year. In the textbook, the next subject we go into is the history and development of pre-COVID vaccines. So that would be like traditional vaccines, traditional diseases that we're all familiar with, like DPT, polio, MMR, human papillomavirus, Prevnar, etc. And we go into what is the supposed causative agent, what are the ingredients in the vaccine, what are the side effects, what, what is the mortality, what are the dangers of these vaccines. So all that is in the book for all, all the traditional vaccines that we have, flu shots, everything. Okay, then I have a section on what I call the boutique epidemics. Now, I'm sure you remember, Doc, back in the 90s, we started having... Um, imaginary diseases that didn't really exist for the purpose of selling vaccines. And these included swine flu, avian flu, SARS, uh, the fake measles epidemic of 2017, 2018, and Ebola. So we talk, we talk about these boutique epidemics, as I call them, as a separate group. For the most part, they were created the hysteria was created by global media in order to market vac a vaccine. But for, for many of them, as soon as the vaccine was funded, they never even made the vaccine. And for the others, even though they did manufacture the vaccine, it fell out of favor and they couldn't keep the hysteria going long enough to actually market the vaccine. So I call those boutique epidemics. Okay. The whole idea of vaccines is based on something called the germ theory of disease, which I'm sure you know, Doc, is 
each disease is caused by a particular microorganism, right? So it's the job of science then to find the right drug or vaccine that will selectively kill off the offending bug without killing the patient. That essentially is the, the premise that organized medicine has always used to sell vaccines to people since the time of Edward Jenner. The problem is when you look very closely at this idea, the best scientists who have ever lived in the last hundred years have proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that this theory is anathema. It's, it's preposterous. It's impossible. Can we use, just use a quick little example there, Doc? Yes. Okay. We human beings have always evolved and we exist every day in this biosphere of microbes surrounded by, you know, there's dozens of bacteria and virus on your skin that we live in harmony with. That's how we evolved. In your colon, in the human colon, there are 400 species of bacteria that are completely normal. They, are, they have a probiotic nature. They are necessary for complete digestion of food. So I, I, I go through many examples of this harmony with the, the microbial world that is necessary for human survival. So it's in my book, I have a whole video on it. Actually, I have a video called The Germ Theory of Disease, which goes through this information, this, this, this reference, this, this historical debunking of the germ theory of disease. Now, what is the real cause of disease? If germs are not the cause of disease, what's the real cause of disease? Disease occurs when systems of the body become so weak and nutrients starved that they shut down. What causes that? A number of things. Low resistance, dehydration, filth, toxic diet, poor lifestyle, subluxation, immune suppression. Such imbalance may render the body a hospitable medium in which opportunist organisms may take over. And that's the way that sometimes microbes can be a cause of disease, but only because we created the imbalance by our injudicious lifestyle. Now let's talk just very briefly about the COVID mRNA vaccine. This is a new event in human history, right? First of all, COVID vaccine is not a vaccine at all. There's no such thing as an mRNA vaccine. That is an oxymoron. And here's why. Because traditionally, Orthodox medicine has, has always claimed that a vaccine supposedly triggers immunity by injecting a weakened version of the causative microbe pathogen, right? And that somehow magically triggers immunity to the original disease in the person, right? Yes, yes. But the difference with COVID now is that, guess what? No novel virus was ever isolated, photographed, or sequenced, or in any way identified. There was no COVID virus. To clarify this, let's just say once and for all, clearly and unequivocally, there is not now, nor has there ever been, a novel COVID virus. What are they calling the COVID virus then? Here's what I discovered from Dr. Andrew Kaufman, that they took a random mixture of a thousand viral fragments from infected donors, many infected donors, mixed them all together with a, an array of toxic agents. And then from that mixture, an RNA fragment was selected. And this RNA fragment was what they used then to make the COVID vaccine. This RNA fragment was claimed to be able to trigger immunity to the quote, COVID virus, which did not exist. That's why no COVID test was ever approved by the CDC. 
We had all these different tests for COVID, the PCR test, we had the nasal swab, we had the hospital test, but it's right on the CDC website. They describe the test and they say, this test has not been approved for detection of the COVID virus. Because why? What? That actually makes sense. That makes total sense because what would be the requirements of a true test for COVID, right? First of all, we must know the exact genomic sequence of the novel virus. That was never discovered. That was never photographed or sequenced. That was never sequenced. Secondly, we must be able to identify the exact genomic sequence in the individual's nasal sample. And then we must be able to compare them under electron microscope and to prove that they're identical. If we had a test like that, yes, we really could say you have COVID or you don't have COVID. You're positive for COVID or you're negative for COVID. But we never had that. All we had was, all we had was cheap magic tricks that were placebos. So now I'm going to tell you about my video. <laughs> Shortly after the testing began, I made this video and I said, $5,000 reward for proof of COVID diagnosis. I put it on YouTube. After 100,000 views, they, they, they trashed it. They deleted it. And then I put it on other platforms, right? So several hundred thousand people have seen this video. And Doc, how many people do you think have come forward claiming the prize? None. Exactly. And why is that, Doc? Because there isn't one. Not that there's no prize, there isn't, you can't prove that those things work. Right. If there's no photographed, isolated, and sequenced virus, and there's no test that will sequence a virus in your nasal sample, how in the world can we prove that they're the same disease? So that's exactly right. I did actually interview a medical doctor, a friend of mine who jumped on the bandwagon. He had labs and he started making these tests and I interviewed him and he's like, they're they're not accurate. There's no way they will ever be. They can't be accurate. And sure, sure. He, you know, he was kind of saying that on the hush. He didn't want to, he's got this big business where he's making all this money, making these tests that people are just demanding out of, sure. and out of pressure from governments and their jobs and stuff like that. And he's like, they really don't work. It's the emperor's new clothes, right? Right. I mean, this is their Mercedes payments and their Hawaii, you know, getaway. Just briefly here, Doc, I want to mention a book that I'm sure you know about, Bobby Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. <laughs> um, this is a, a daunting read in 1,000 pages. This masterful book tells the dark history of Fauci, Tony Fauci, an unelected bureaucrat who became one of the most powerful men in the entire world and exactly uh, the money and the politics behind that. It took him years to get to that position. And Bobby really dissects the global vaccine industry. I do a review of this book, The Real Anthony Fauci, in my August 2022 newsletter. So please look at that when you get a chance. But just, just one thing, one of the dozens of fascinating, riveting topics that if you don't read this book, you won't know this stuff. But you remember, Doc, how all during COVID, the term pandemic was popping up. Yeah. And it was always, always by corporate media, it was always marginalized and demonized. Mm -hmm. These people are anti-vaxxers and they're crazy and all this. And then when you read Bobby's book, you read how 100% accurate that term was. And you learn about the war games two years before COVID. SPARS 2017, Event 201. And you learn that at Johns Hopkins University, Fauci, Gates, the military, the NIH, these people, they all got together and they gamed out the exact details of how COVID would transpire how it would be initiated, how it would be sold to people, how the vaccine would be forced on people. This was two years before COVID ever even happened, right? In this war game, they included a bioterrorist attack that provided a global coronavirus epidemic.
predicting the coronavirus event by two years, right? Followed by forced mass vaccinations everywhere. Co-opting democratic government, subverting political institutions, placing unelected rulers in charge of all new policies, psyops for censorship, propaganda, surveillance, lockdowns. The ridiculous event that everybody bought, the pandemic spread through the world in one month. I mean, mm -hmm. even if it were real, that is impossible. The world is 25,000 miles in circumference. That is impossible. So all that press was ready in advance with instructions for doctors and health officials how to act, what to say, etc. It was all gamed out. So, of course, the vaccine was presented as the hero. Spars 2017 even predicted EUA, the ridiculous emergency use authorization. So all those things didn't just happen. They were all planned down to the letter two years in advance. So plandemic wasn't just an anti-vaxxer slogan. Spars 2017 was the meticulously detailed blueprint for the COVID-19 pandemic. That's, that's right out of Bobby's book. For people who are really wondering about this and really want authoritative documentation, this is the place to go. COVID marked a permanent power shift in human history. Did you know that over $3 trillion changed hands between 2020 and 2022? There were some 493 new billionaires created during those two years. So the pandemic was merely the catalyst needed to set the entire scheme in motion. When the smoke clears, though, COVID will end up costing the American people $16 trillion. So this is my summary and conclusion here, Doc. No tyrant in history ever discovered how to manipulate an entire species by inventing a disease and then convincing people it was real. Fear has always been the most potent weapon of any strongman down through the ages. But this was something utterly new. Imaginary disease followed by control of the daily narrative across all forms of media. Not since the Civil War have Americans been more polarized than they are today. This was by design, a coup d'etat and then lockdown. Notice how family members, lifelong friends, are now permanently estranged. Now let's stop here a moment and just think about this. Don't we all have family members or close friends that we've known for years and suddenly now we'll never speak to them again because our politics are different. Whatever happened to let's agree to disagree? This is a direct consequence of COVID. Such a shift required a tangible demonstration that people were no longer masters of their own bodies. Enter COVID vaccine forcing an untested inoculation upon people everywhere. The dilution of the human genome, a proven consequence of vaccines, will be evident in the lives of today's children, but much more so in the lives of their children, and on and on. This cultural upheaval we've seen is not even about vaccines, but about ownership. Who owns the land, the soil, the atmosphere, the water, the DNA of plants and of animals, the DNA of humans, and now finally, who owns the people and their children? Yeah, power and ownership versus just freedom and, and prosperity and health and happiness for the individual and their family. I just don't understand how the, that pendulum has swung so far and why. When is, it, when is there enough power or money that you're just satisfied you don't have to mess with humanity? Well, that's, that's a lot of very eye-opening uh, information, especially to go into COVID, which is the thing these days. I, I really want to pick your brain if that's okay on some of the older ones, because as younger families are trying to make these, these proper health decisions, you know, I, 
before I started learning this and going down this rabbit hole 26 years ago, when my oldest child had an adverse reaction to her first uh, vaccine, I'm like, what? what, why is she doing what she was healthy? And all of a sudden she's sick and limp. And I go to the emergency, well, it couldn't be from the vaccines. And that's when I started diving down in that. As I dove down that rabbit hole that you've been spending your lifetime in and, and really researching and, and helping give resources to people, I really am grateful for that. I was just doing it as a parent and, and I felt like I did a pretty good job standing my ground and standing up to the schools and the pressure and the nurses and the pediatricians that, that weren't, you know, like, oh, you're a parent, you don't vaccinate, you're, you're a baby kill. I'm like, wait, how would you even say that? It's a process. So what, what I'm curious of, if you'll bring it to full circle, is going back to some of these older original vaccines. One of my kids just has two grandbabies. My other kid's about to have a new grandbaby in, in just a couple months. There's so much information they're swimming in and so much propaganda on the TV that only sells one side of the story. It doesn't sell, like you said, pro-science. It's not anti-vax, it's pro-science. Parents, how do you learn this and compare the science to what you're hearing on TV or in a pamphlet in a doctor's office or from a doctor or nurse so that you can make that proper educated decision on what's good for your kid, what's not? What's good for you, what's not? Because there's no taking it back. Once you inject something into that small body, you can't go, oops, I wish I wouldn't have done that and undo it. That's not how this works, folks. We're messing with our human body and our future with our kids. So I just want to help give them some ammunition on where vitamin K, the first thing that they try to put in a kid, the hepatitis B, why is that important for, where did that come from? Because kid, healthy kids that don't have sexually active parents with other people or injecting IV, dirty IV needles in there, why would they need that? Help us out, doc. Most people are dumbed down to the point where it's too much, it takes too much energy to go against the common flow of ideas that we're getting from organized media every second of the day. So what, what I've done with the textbook, what I've tried to do is to introduce dozens of what I call zingers any one of which I hope will, will be the you know, road to Damascus moment, the epiphany for some young parent going, are you kidding me? That can't be true. And then they find out it is true. So the one example I'm using is that, that one uh, chart that I had of how many vaccines, 1953 vaccines, 2023, 84 vaccines. People don't know that. Even educated parents don't know that. You know, but so if they just um, and and then learn about how spurious the testing, the even the formal testing behind traditional vaccines has been, and and then the interlocking corruption between the pharmaceutical industry and the regulating agencies with their revolving door of top personnel, things like that. My textbook was deliberately written at the freshman, sophomore, and college level. So it's not so technical that you absolutely can't understand it. It's, it's, it's very simple, and everything I say is absolutely documented. So one good thing that happened this week, Doc, you know, there, up to very recently, there have been only six states in the union with no exemption. Yeah. Six states in the union where vaccines are absolutely required, mandatory. Uh, so one of those has always been uh, Mississippi, and they dropped out uh, two weeks ago. So now, finally, after all these years, Mississippi, uh, you can get a vaccine exemption there. But the, th the strange thing about it is, in all the other states, in all the other 45 states, even though... There are medical exemptions, philosophical exemptions, religious exemptions. 95% of people still vaccinate their kids voluntarily because they're just going with the flow, the path of least resistance. And that's, that's the sad part. I mean, as a parent, we're so busy. We're just trying to make ends meet and get our kids out to school so we can actually go to work. But we don't realize once we let them in school that we give up the power over those kids and what they're learning and what the requirements are to do that, to go to school. And unfortunately, the deciding factors for what do you have to do, to, what hoops to jump through so that your kid can go to school, they use words like mandate. Well, I know now it's even a little more firm, but when I was, a, when I was younger, my kids, they would say, oh, 
vaccines are mandatory. And I say, well, how do you say they're mandatory? That means there's a that means they're by law required, but they're not. They're just, you're, you're just using that really strong word saying that. Yeah. Oh, if your kids aren't vaccinated, I remember getting a letter from, this, from the school. If your kids aren't vaccinated, uh, we're fine a thousand dollars per kid. And I oh, I took the letter into the school to the principal. Like, who's fining you? Uh, there was nobody. They just they just use these things to try to scare patients or parents to to follow in and right and, and follow suit. Like you're saying, it's just so much easier to just go with the flow. But I want to challenge young parents to be free thinkers because you're up against parents hoping to stay healthy for yourself and your kids, and then hopefully their kids. You're a minority because the majority of kids is. As Dr. O'Shea has just pointed out, in our country, in America, are overweight and sicker than anywhere in the country. What are we doing different? We're feeding them garbage, but that's not even it. We're injecting junk toxins directly into their system that are altering their health for the rest of their life. Yeah. We're seeing, okay, our immune system, as, as Dr. O'Shea pointed out, we still in this modern age do not fully understand this micro universe we're living in. Absolutely. And the, the immune system is complex part of it. When we start playing God and injecting stuff in that we really don't know what the outcomes are, we don't know what harm we're doing out of the fear of trying to stop something right now. Oh, chicken pox. People don't die of chicken pox. We have a vaccine for it. What else is in that vaccine that could harm that kid where they have asthma the rest of their life or MS pops up 10 years down the road? Or, uh, you know, I just want to kind of bring up, we've got to look long-term effect, not just living in the fear of the moment of, oh, if I don't inject this kid with this vaccine for an immunity that they can't get from a vaccine, they have to have their own natural exposure to that. We know that natural exposure is better than, than uh, man-made stuff. We're, we're harming the future. And that's where it gets really scary. As a parent, you're thinking, in the fear of the moment, if I don't do this, I could get in trouble from this entity, which it's a, it's a false trouble. Yeah. But just know that if you do this, you may living with, be living with a broken child the rest of your life that doesn't ever move out, doesn't ever learn how to adult, have a healthy adult relationship, get a job. That is the potential outcome. And I want to put this in perspective with, with a brochure that I read in a pediatric office years ago. And again, like Dr. O'Shea said, neither of us here in this conversation are anti-vax. We are pro-science. And this is just a statistical thing I read 20 years ago at the pediatrician about whooping cough and the vaccine. And it said, if your child, and I'm sure this isn't in there now, if your child gets, doesn't get the vaccine, there's a one in a hundred thousand chance of getting pertussis. Pertussis isn't deadly in this day and age, not at all. If they get the vaccine, they have a one in 1,850 chance of having some sort of adverse reaction to this injection. Wait a minute. So there's a pretty slim chance, 100, 1 in 100,000 of my child get this and get better. Or there's an 1,800, 1 in 1,800% chance, 1 in 1,800 uh, chance of them having an adverse reaction that could affect them the rest of their life. The math doesn't even make sense to, to line up and get that vaccine. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the science that you're bringing to the table in this book. I, I just can't emphasize this enough. I've read your book so many times. I have gotten so many different editions of this, and I'm really excited for the new one. And I'm buying this for all my kids that are at the age of having, having kids now. Parents need to just take a little time, learn to make better health choices for themselves and their kids. So thank you for your work on that. I, I kind of went off on a soapbox there. I apologize. Right. I wouldn't even be able to talk about this if it wasn't for doctors like you leading the cause because so much of the, this true, valid, scientifically backed information is hushed because there aren't marketing dollars buying time on the news at night to push a book like this or to not sell a product. What is on the news and in front of us all the time on TV is money being spent to push a product to us to bring into our household or, or eat or inject into our family. And that's where when you, as Dr. O'Shea pointed out, when you follow the money, that's where the information is, but that doesn't necessarily, that means that's where the science or the health Sorry, I kind of got off on a little tangent. Right. But, but what, what's the history of the, the vitamin K shot, for example? When anyone is in the hospital, the first commandment of organized medicine is do something billable, no matter what. Do something billable. Wow. So 
as far as the vitamin K shot is concerned, so it's about the clotting cascade, right? So the clotting cascade is, is a series of metabolic steps necessary for fibrinogen to form and clot the blood so when you cut yourself all the blood won't just drain out. Now children are not born with this cascade completed of course it takes it takes several years in their development to form that and so the theory is that they just they organized medicine just chose one of the components of the clotting cascade vitamin K you know and they decided that oh well if we don't inject intravenous with a syringe vitamin K into this child he might bleed to death well why would he bleed to death unless he is unless his skin is compromised so this this never made any sense to me so we're we're going to compromise this kid's skin because with this imaginary missing component from the clotting cascade in the rare event that all the other steps in that clotting cascade have been furnished by this newborn, which they haven't, and then this is going to be the one thing that's going to prevent him from bleeding to death. It's, it's, it's ludicrous. It's a scam. But again, it's, it's with a lot of my friends are medical doctors, and I know the way they think, and I know the way they don't think. And they, as soon as they hear me say something, just one step outside of their narrow little scope of awareness, um, they change the subject, they get afraid, or they start talking about their next vacation destination, something like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's, that's what's going on with, with vitamin K. So, and, and it used to be, what, what was the ridiculous uh, toxic eye wash that used to be standard for newborn? What was that? Oh yeah, I forgot what that is. Yeah, they, they don't do it anymore. Uh, it, it, it got too ridiculous. It, it, it harmed too many children. So it's the same, it's the same with tonsils. That's kind of gone by the wayside. And vitamin K, hopefully that'll go by the wayside. It is completely unnecessary, but it's also could actually cause the danger that they're representing that it's preventing. You know, it's interesting. I, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to go some history because there's another, an MD wrote another really good history book on vaccine that I really put right next to yours on my, my shelf. And she was talking about how hundred years ago we had this problem with uh, the flu pandemic, but there weren't vaccines and people did the whole thing. History repeats itself. I don't know. They did the whole masking thing and masking mandates. And they did the whole mandate vaccines once they had a vaccine. And there were so many people that didn't want to do it. One gentleman even lost one of his daughters as adverse reactions of it. And he had one more daughter left. He's like, please, I don't want to vaccinate her. I lost a daughter already. And they put him in jail because he wouldn't vaccinate his, his daughter. And then I, if, I, if I remember right from the book, she also passed away. It's like, whoa, crazy stuff. And I just, I remember talking to Dr. Hatch, a good friend of mine over in, in Europe. And he said, this was in 2006, he said this. I think it's very prophetic. He said, you know, Dr. Shetland, in the future, he says, 100 years from now, we're going to look back on vaccines with the shock on of stupidity, the way we look at bloodletting and leaching right now. It is. Well, I, I hear people say that all the time. In my opinion, that's like a, a, a self-deluding kind of comfort pill that we're giving ourselves because I've been doing I've been doing this research I've been writing these textbooks for 20 years and so people used to say that same thing back then but we have progressed beyond an unimaginable absurdity and ridiculous and danger to our children that we would have never envisioned even 20 years ago so that's an extremely optimistic uh, point of view to think that oh well in the future they're going to think how horrific how stupid we were back in the 2020s to do something like this i mean i like to be optimistic but the way if it keeps going the way it's been going uh the, these predictions are going to come true we've been living for thousands of years without having to do this to our children yeah vitamin k shot to what are these vaccines these beautiful babies are born 
designed to survive on this planet and adapt to their environment, like you were talking about. We all have stuff growing on us all the time, viruses and bacteria. We're, we're swimming in a soup of microorganisms, and yet we adapt. And we, but we, for some reason, and I think it's just money, have come up with this idea of let's scare people, then they'll buy this product. We can inject it in thinking, oh, I'm making money, but not doing any harm. I'm helping them. But we, we see there's way more harm than help. Sure most of these things. But so, something empirical that I always think that guys like you and me, you know, our age, we, we remember back to our 20s and we remember how, how, how resilient, how robust young people were at that time. And then you compare that to like college kids and kids in their 20s today. They're not strong. They're not resilient. They're, they're not healthy. Uh, either mentally or physically and it's it's so it's so obvious to to people like us and i i see this as uh i see the number of vaccines you know the the exponential increase in vaccines as directly contributory to that observable phenomenon do you agree i fully agree with that and the thing is you are one amazing voice in a sea of just overwhelming noise. Because I look at other people like yourself, John F. Kennedy, the fights that he's done. You know, this is a new now, so we got Senator Ron Johnson who's trying to fight on Capitol Hill so that if we're at the table, I, I always joke, and I say this out loud, I was thinking of running for governor and I, I was thinking of making a series of videos of if I were governor, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. But I think if I, if I were, if I was in some sort of leadership position, if I were in that sort of leadership position, I would say, look, we need to have people at the table like yourself, like Senator Ron Johnson, like these other medical doctors who in the COVID era promoted ivermectin for good scientific reasons, for good comparative to other countries like Africa that was using it and didn't have anything with COVID like we did in America with the crazy way we handled it. Having them at the table so that the discussion and the debate can help us as leadership make adult well-educated decisions instead of emotional, fear-based, listening to one person, decisions that affect millions of people. And I noticed even with Ron Johnson that he did a hearing on Capitol Hill on this topic and it was completely hushed. I mean, it was taken down from YouTube. Sure. This is a, this is a senator of our country leading a medical discussion with medical doctors on both sides of the, the table on this discussion and it was, it was hidden. Now I look at Dan Burton, Congressman Dan Burton. Oh, yeah. He did this stuff, and that was on, on CNBC or whatever. It I, still is. And it still is, and I've got it. That guy stood up for American citizens saying, look, there's no research on these vaccines saying that they're safe and effective. Yeah. And he paid to have somebody do research so he could bring it to the table to say, look, at least I'm bringing some research here. You guys got nothing but opinion over here. And he yeah. put it in a, in a Senate, I don't know what the right term is, but it was in a in the proper uh, forum. forum to be done. And oh my gosh, it's just mind-blowing. I still include uh, the work of, of Dan Burton and his quotes and a description of his hearing in the House, House of Representatives. It was, you know, it was about autism and you yeah, know, it it's unanswerable. Autism. But the, the, I think the beautiful part of that is he points out that the, they keep saying safe and effective for their products, there's no research that proves it does harm, right. but they're not having any research done that is safe. And there, there's all these statistical findings that are showing that it is harmful, and yet it's, it's just mind-blowing. So and I'm a big fan of, yeah, I'm a big fan of Del Bigtree, though he takes so much heat and has been labeled, like, as you perfectly described what the word anti-vax is. It's yeah. science, but it's been made up to make people look bad for not going with the current discussion, even though there's no science backing it. That guy is brilliant and his heart is in the right place. Oh yeah. All he's trying to do is hold these companies accountable to give us the research before you say it's safe and effective. And they haven't, and they do have the data. They have the data to compare. Oh yeah. Unvaccinated children with vaccinated children and track for decades, health, healing, disease, what types of disease, but they won't do. Yeah. 
I, I always say, Doc, a, a lot of pediatricians, they know this information that you and I are talking about it. They know it very well, and they won't vaccinate their own children, yes. but they'll vaccinate yours. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that doesn't tell parents, if that doesn't make them pause for just a moment and go, wait a minute, my doctor wants me to vaccinate my kids, but he won't vaccinate or he or she won't vaccinate their own kids. What's really going on here? That's worth thinking about. Well, are there any other hot topics that you'd like to bring up today? Uh, of course, it could go on forever. I just, I just want to mention real, real quickly here that um, children's health defense is a very valuable resource and people should get on that mailing list so he can send you the emails every few days and to keep you current on what's going on. Um, there are so many things that I, I don't even want to start talking about each one now because it's going to make this thing so much longer. But Bobby, Bobby's website is great. Yeah, so I would just like to give some parents some resources so that you can hear both sides of the story and make a good educated decision on what you're going to do for yourself or your, your kids. And Bobby Kennedy is a great resource to look up. I can, uh, which is the nonprofit that Dell Big Tree does, which they're trying to make the people uh, accountable for what they're doing to children. Yes, thank you. But you need it. You need information to make good, healthy decisions. You, you've just got to have the whole picture. Or you're you're trying to raise a kid with one hand tied behind your back, or even worse. I just don't have to give it a fair description. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. If, if you don't have any other Things without us going down a big deep rabbit hole. This is, a, I think, it's a good starter for for parents. We'll kind of trim this down a little, a little smaller. Yeah, a nice. Well, I just want, I just want to remind people to look at my newsletter archive because every month there's four or five of these ideas that you're talking about that need to be expanded, and at least you get an introduction to them in the newsletter archive. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. J. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad we got to this today we want to thank everyone for tuning in today don't stop here please follow up with some of the resources we mentioned and remember this is the most important decision you will make in the life of your child adios for now